Welcome to this episode of MO Forum. I'm joined by Luke Buckmaster, who's Social Media Manager for Crikey. We've actually been in the process of swapping podcasts because I've just done the Parallax podcast with Luke uh, based on five movies uh, and sort of themes and lessons that can be drawn from those. And uh, Luke has kindly agreed to come on to MO Forum where we will talk about uh, the emerging social media, the privacy issues associated with that, uh, and uh, where the technology is going, because I think a lot of people would be interested uh, in your knowledge as to what's coming our way. But um, if I could begin, Luke, by welcoming you and maybe asking what got you interested in this entire field of social media in the first place. Well, it's a, it's a very difficult question to ask, actually. I've, I've never actually um, contemplated what, what got me into social media. Um, and I think it's partly because social media now comes to you. So you don't really have a choice to some extent. So you're minding your own business and this social media <laughs> came at you and knocked on the door and you said, ah, what's this? It's yeah, social media. Yeah. Well, more or less. I mean, not, not literally uh, yeah. knocked on the door, obviously. But no, I guess one of the reasons why I've connected with, with platforms like Twitter and platforms like Facebook and even smaller platforms like Google Plus and Pinterest is because there's an element of me that's an extroverted person mm-hmm. uh, that likes a kind of um, a publishing perspective and to get a voice heard. Yeah. And I think that's one of the great things that social media has been able to do, an actual democratisation of the internet. And it was, it was talked about you know, from the start of the internet that in, the internet would come about and it would democratise the way we express ourselves. We publish things, for example. The, um, the idea of that was sort of floated when desktop publishing emerged in, in the 1980s. And people thought, well, now that we have a printer, we have word processes, yeah. we can create our own newsletter, um, we'll take you know, sort of power away from big news companies. Mm-hmm. It didn't but work those out thoughts like that. Were, were there at that stage, even in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it didn't quite work out like that because you know, people started maybe writing newsletters about what's happening on their own street or the distribution wasn't there, but the, but the means was. And indeed, the, what we now know as the World Wide Web wasn't there. That was an early to mid-1990s creation, wasn't it? Correct, yeah. And social media is, is even more recent than that. Yes. Um, so 10 years ago, there really essentially was no social media or there was the embryonic form of social media, which I engaged with from the start. There were platforms uh, like MySpace, uh, which is now mostly used for bands and music. There were websites like GeoCities, which encouraged you to sort of occupy your own little bit of the internet. Mm-hmm. And I love that that feeling of being able to feel like you own something in cyberspace and you can project your opinion to the people who follow you or who are interested in you as a person or even, in a sense, as a brand. Yeah, and the technologies uh, have changed even in that 10-year period in that um, I suppose we would assume that all social media inventions and creations will continue to grow, but some of them haven't. Uh, Some of them have diminished, haven't they, both relatively and even absolutely in popularity. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, that they, they rise and fall. So um, social media platforms that are popular for a certain amount of time are, are not popular after their expiration date comes up. So the challenge for a website or a social media platform like Facebook or like Twitter is to really dig your heels in and to create an infrastructure which is making it increasingly difficult for people to disconnect from. So, for example, the more photos I upload of my family, mm-hmm. Facebook own 
the copyright to all those photos. It's essentially a huge photo album that I am you know, adding to again and again and again. Now, if I was to take that information and move it somewhere else, that would be an incredibly arduous process because, you know what, Facebook doesn't actually let you easily transfer your information and it's in their best interest to sort of keep it there. So um, that's there a way any competition them... laws about that, that, that um, or is it just a technologically, you can do it, but it's technologically difficult. Difficult, that's right. right. There's all sorts of terms and conditions when you join Facebook mm. and who reads them? I mean, nobody reads all these sure. pages and pages of conditions. But yeah, you could, you could technically save every photo that you added and add it to a different social media service provider. Yeah. But that would take an incredible amount of right. effort. Any uh, of these technologies that have bitten the dust? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, MySpace is more or less dead. Um, that, that's a, that was very popular uh, probably about 15 years ago. It was mm -hmm. one of the first social medias, uh, social media platforms. That's now uh, been revamped and it sort of um, appeals mostly for people in bands. They, they come and go. What did it do, just so that people know what some of these earlier yeah, sure. Inventions were. MySpace was basically a, a social media platform where you could add some personal information about yourself, right. maybe a few photos of your friends, mm -hmm. um, some of the music that you've recently listened to. Right. The nuts and bolts of it are very similar to what we know as, as Facebook now, but the presentation and the emphasis w was very different. Um, so in some ways, it's, it's like our social media platforms are built on shifting sands. Yeah. And what is relevant or what works today might not work tomorrow or There's in There's no guarantees, are there? Uh, interestingly, um, Twitter was floated on the stock exchange mm. recently and there wasn't, as I could tell, a real sense of confidence that the market would value this highly because of the capacity of technologies to die. Mm. You know, So um, if you assume that every technology that comes along is just going to get bigger and better, then it's worth a gazillion dollars. But if it um, maybe is destined to suffer the fate of uh, MySpace, mm. then it's not going to be valued very highly. But interestingly, Twitter did really, really well. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons that they were a little bit spooked with Twitter is because Facebook, when that floated, that was a big disappointment in Silicon see. Valley. They were expecting it to be a much, you know, make much more of an impact than it actually did. And when was that? Years ago? Oh, uh, from memory, I think, no, it was fairly recently. Right. It was about two years ago. Yeah. And it didn't do so well. No, no. So, and I'm not interested in making, you know, how much money it makes. It's sort of a, uh, a judgment mm. uh, by the market, you know, by people who have to put money into it as to the longer term viability. That's what I'm interested in asking these questions. Mm. Personally, I don't care whether they make a lot of money or not, but it gives you a bit of a sense of what people think about these technologies and their durability and adaptability. Yeah, well, Facebook's a really interesting example from a, from a business perspective because Mark Zuckerberg built the thing and then um, really was adamant not to put advertising on it. He was adamant that it had to remain cool and it had to remain groovy and it had to remain a place where you don't see ads for COVID. Non-commercial. Non-commercial. Yeah. So the idea is that it, you sort of build it and they will come and in terms of you know, tech startups and social startups that you find an audience and then you find a way to monetize it and make it profitable. So it's almost like a reverse process now. So you gather people together and then how did so what product was going to be put in front of them to make Facebook commercially successful? How, what was the ultimate way of making dollars out of Facebook? Ultimately display ads. 
ultimately display ads. Mm -hmm. And it's a really interesting form of advertising because Facebook is a huge data mining operation. It knows where you were yesterday, especially if you've got certain settings switched on or not switched off on your mobile. It knows what food you like. It knows what friends you engage Uh, with the most. So it's able to serve you ads that are more relevant than perhaps any kind of advertising. said that he wanted to be cool and free of all this. Yeah, but then eventually it's the point where it's like, well, this website is incredibly popular. Right. And it's very expensive to run. Mm. It's got millions of users. Yeah. Tens of millions of users. And then it went commercial. And then so it needs to lose kind of some of its cool factor. Yeah, I see. Um, Which is necessary in terms of sustaining the business growth because Mm. what is cool or, you know, the the flavour of the month or the Johnny-come-lately of the online world at the time uh, eventually, if it sustains popularity, loses some of that edge. Yeah. And that's when you, you go for a wide audience, you homogenize a little bit, and you try and collect money off, in this case, display advertising. Now, we'll come to the data mining in a moment, but can you um, share with our uh, viewers the emerging technologies? What's, what's coming at us? Because we now know a few of them. I mean, Twitter, I've become quite conversant with but other forms not so much mm. but what's coming there's this google glass google glass yeah we could start with that yeah sure so in the next year or so that's when google glass is going to to take off or to begin to take off and basically it's a form of eyewear it's mm. not a particularly um aesthetically pleasing form of eyewear or headwear yeah because basically the, the function of it is to bring the internet to your eyeballs so you can essentially look out of, of, of your own eyes mm. and see maybe an icon that's arrived for an email. You can right. record videos just by moving your head and capturing what's in front of you. What do you, you can press? Check a map. Where do you press if you want to record a video? Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's um, well, partly their voice activated, uh-huh. but that's also a little bit problematic in case you're talking about something that isn't necessarily related and you start accidentally filming somebody. <laughs> There's also actual literal, you know, buttons, physical buttons. Yeah. Um, what but, are the watches that you have on? Are they related to this? So they're, they're, they're smart watches. As um, in get smart? As in get smart. No, that's in your shoe. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. in your shoe. Yeah, so, yeah. so you're walking down the street, you want to do a film, you take your shoe off, you yeah, use yeah. your phone, you yeah. ring up headquarters and say, yeah. turn the film yeah. on. Get, get chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, you speak to the other character that always hid in rubbish bins. And yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. Jaime and... Yeah, and, yeah, and Agent 13. I think Agent 13. Agent 13. Yeah, yeah. Agent 13. Copter. No, no the, the, smart, uh, the smart watches are, are basically um, a way of bringing the internet to your, your wrist. Um, we're, we're at a point now where the internet is getting more and more mobile. The future is mobile. Mm-hmm. It's in your pocket. It's through your eyes. It's yeah. on your wrist. So a smart watch will allow you to check your email. Check your emails. That'd be to get your notifications. Prime candidate, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. So um, you get um, text messages, so uh, emails, and images. I suppose. I suppose. You'd probably be able to get a cricket update easily. That sort of thing. I think the cricket updates will come to you, Craig. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. If you're not getting them through, wicked, through your wicked. eye. You're delivering a speech. Three quarters of the way through the speech. So you're going to have to... Anderson's <laughs> out! You want, to, you want to switch your notifications off. Yeah, you know, Switch your notifications off, otherwise you're going to get cricket updates while you're giving a keynote or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Any other technologies? So we've got the watch and the, and, the, uh, and the goggles, the Google goggles. Google Glass, yeah. 
oh, well, there's always new technologies that will come and go. I mean, there's just a matter of time until a social network is built into some sort of necklace or mm. um, earring or something, you know, name your body part. I'm yeah. sure technology well, will end up infiltrating. you know, that, I mean, that it occurred to me that Google Glass is uh, an augmentation of your body, but there are two other technologies that are part of people's bodies. One is um, the cochlear ear implant, which is a mechanical device that does improve uh, the hearing of people who are very uh, badly hearing impaired. Um, and the other is the bionic eye. Now, mm. the bionic eye is a reality. You know, it is, is a capacity to give people sight who, who have lost their sight. But it's not that wild to suggest that people will have a for what a better word, a mechanical capacity inserted in their eyes in the future? Sure. 20, 30 well, years? Well, you might be able to look out of somebody else's eye on your left eye. I might be able to see what you're up to. Yeah. You know, that's, um, that's not too far away. What about, you know, getting out there, uh, the idea of your mobile phone technology being implanted under your skin? I mean, do you, you know, do you need to have these things in your top pocket? I mean, you know, I... All I'm saying is that I can see the incorporation of some of these technologies into the human body mm. in the future. Oh, yeah, I absolutely. mean, we do it with heart pacemakers. You know, they're not actually they're they're a bit of machinery that's in your body. It's not replacing something that's died, but it it actually um, you know does a job. Mm. Uh, artificial hearts. No reason why not. Why um, not? Yeah. Um, increasingly. You could envisage a future where um, mechanical components are inserted into human beings on a pretty significant scale. Oh, sure. We'll, we'll put it this way. Every time we, we get something on um, our credit card at the supermarket, okay, we swipe or we sign, yeah. surely it's just a matter of time until the barcode is in our wrist and we just move our hand across. Well, that's right. That's not too far-fetched. Has it been contemplated? I don't know. Would well, you actually, like to set up a little business with me? Uh, well, I, well, well, that's a fancy you asking. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be, be quite fantastic. It's not an original idea. I mean, um, people who have talked about having kind of barcodes in sort of emblazoned in their skin and becoming part of their flesh mm. sometimes point to the, the Bible, the book of Revelations. It ah. says every man will, you know, wear a number, wear will a have number. a number. Yeah. So well, maybe six, that's... Six, 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 six. Well, no, that's one specific man. Yeah. It's never one specific person. But maybe the the, um, the, 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 the Bible tangent about barcodes was uh, talking about going to Coles or Safeway yeah, and yeah. Uh, getting a red spot special. Well, there, there's another uh, coming the other direction, um, we already know through um, your retina, if you come in from overseas now, you just put your passport into a machine. Uh, that's all digitised, including your photo. And then you go through and look into the camera and it recognises your eye mm. um, and your identity is then captured. Right? It already has been. Uh, but that information is stored, is available you know, for future use. Um, so that's one technology of personal identification. And the other is um, facial recognition technology, where even when you talk about putting your photos onto um, your um, computer, onto Facebook or whatever, or into your albums, um, when I'm doing it, they say, is this Craig Emerson or is this um, Tom Emerson your son? And there's enough facial recognition technology for oh, 
it's getting very interesting all, all these that. different technologies. Yeah. And if you couple that with uh, a company that's trying to advertise a certain product to a certain demographic, mm. you know, I could walk into uh, a shopping centre and the facial recognition could pick up who I am, yeah. maybe ballpark my age, yeah. maybe they already know my age, maybe they already know what I ate for dinner last yeah. night, and then serve me an ad about something that I'm interested, yeah. maybe a social media product, yeah. maybe a new film. Um, we, we're starting to see this happening now in so many different ways, not just in facial recognition. Um, when you gave me uh, your address to come to, to, to visit you, all I needed to do um, in Google Maps was punch in your street number, mm. just your number, and they already knew where I was going. Really? Yeah. They already knew because they, they, linked, they linked your email or That's something amazing, else to so that So this technology. is the data mining that you're talking about, and this is incredibly valuable, isn't it? Because... Um, uh, the old classified ads, t to go back to pretty old technology, in the Sydney Morning Herald print version, which is only, what, eight years ago, mm. you know, the big, the age in the Sydney Morning Herald were this big. When they landed on the lawn on Saturday, it was a thud because they had um, all of the car sales and the house sales and all that sort of stuff in the classified ads. But it's completely non-targeted completely non-targeted, other than the only target is people who read newspapers. But things have changed so dramatically, um, they've collapsed, those print media classified ads, but it's not that they're doing the equivalent on um, digital social media now. It's much more precise because that's, they that's know right. much more about you. Yeah, well, the rivers of gold that, that, that newspapers in particular received from the classified ads were completely run dry by mm. the internet. Yeah. And some people will look at it and go, well, why do I see an ad on my Facebook page? Why do I see an ad for a TV show or a pair mm. of socks? Uh, whereas I tend to view it as, well, yes, it's, it's annoying to see ads every time. No one likes to be, you know, to see advertised advertisements every time, mm. everywhere they go. But this is the most tailored yeah. commercials has, have ever been. So uh, if, if Facebook or your social network knows that, Okay, well, I like the television program Breaking Bad. Maybe I might be interested in a T-shirt. Maybe I might be interested in the DVD box set. I actually yeah. find that's a two-way relation. So I go, well, actually, that's the most relevant form of advertising. So if you're going to have to endure an ad, you, you prefer that it be one that there might be some chance yeah. that is relevant to you. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, at this stage in my life, learn about the, the, the Greendale Retirement Centre. You know, I'm yeah. not quite at that stage. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. one time when I will, and I will be logged on Facebook and be 80 or something. And, and then, then say, he's 80 now. Let's put yeah, Greendale Environment Retirement Centre on. And we'll take off the, um, you know, the, the smash hit that just come out for the 18-year-olds. He's not going to be watching. He's not, well, he's not interested. Yeah. 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 And this new kind of electronic music or something. Yeah. Does that, I can see the benefits, but does it worry you in any way? Because it gets into this issue, issue of privacy. Um, this is really not government intrusion. This is commercial commercially valuable information. So we're not necessarily here in a big brother situation, you know, where the government is doing all this. Um, but nevertheless, the information is being mined and stored. Sure, yeah. I mean, in terms of privacy, I think it's easily forgotten that privacy, as we know it, is a relatively new phenomenon. So back in the day, when people lived in villages and huts, you knew where your comrades were you mm. knew um where someone was if they were giving birth if they were socialized if they were seeing the, the doctor or the witch doctor or you knew if they were off in the woods it's only when the industrial revolution happened 
cities started emerge, uh, emerging, um, buildings went up, people literally started locking their doors and closing their windows and viewing privacy as almost like a, a right. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's a relatively new phenomenon. And I think social media is fundamentally breaking down the fabric. Everything that we know about what, what is privacy and what is not is slowly morphing into more and more information that we display about ourselves publicly and more information, like you said, that uh, is collected anyway. It's collected. That you sure. haven't displayed. Um, there are examples uh, where maybe it's a bit already old-fashioned, but um, employers, say in the legal profession, say to kids when they're 16, 17, don't post it, you know, don't yeah. post yourself, you know, half nude or face down and blind floor, drunk yeah, yeah. and that sort of stuff because it can never and will never be expunged. Well, yeah, that one, I mean, that was always good advice anyway. Yeah. So before social media, don't take a photo of yourself when you're blotto and face yeah. down on the tennis court. Yeah. But yeah, that's right. It leaves a cyber footprint potentially. Um, uh, it could influence the people who hire you or decide mm. not to hire you. That's why it's really important to get the right legislation and to get the, the right um, awareness of settings and, and privacy information. I don't know if they're teaching um, privacy awareness in terms of social media landscapes at high schools, yeah, but right. I certainly think they should be. Okay. Uh, For it, these sorts of reasons, absolutely. that is, that you yeah. should be able to maybe play up a bit without that counting against you when you're 25 or 30 and looking for a particular job, you're out of uni yep. and then they go, oh, God, this person's got a bit of a drinking problem. We've seen three images of them in the gutter yeah. when they were 17. Yeah. Well, there's, there's all sorts of reasons to, to understand the privacy settings. And with a social media network like Facebook, they make it actually quite difficult to get your head around all the implications of the privacy settings for their own reasons, which usually come back to getting more information for consumers. Mm. So to use one example, uh, depending on your, your mobile settings on your mobile phone and your settings on your Facebook, um, sometimes uh, someone can actually find out your exact location. So, for example, if somebody is stalking you in this hypothetical mm. sort of nightmare situation and somebody has messaged you and said, you know, where are you? Tell me where you are. And you message them back saying, leave me alone, yeah. for example. Now, the message back is The message back, if, is if, if, if you click on that message, and it depends, again, on your settings, but I'll mm. try this out myself. If you click on the message back um, that you get through a Facebook chat conversation, it can come up with an exact map of where the person is when they sent it mm. to you. So you might be getting back to a stalker and giving them the, your exactly exact what coordinates. That stalker wants to yeah, know. yeah, which is why it's so important to educate people about this sort of thing, because it's potentially dangerous, yeah. but it's also potentially quite liberating too. Yeah, yeah. So um, where do you see it all heading? I mean, uh, um, uh, we know that this is a big challenge for what we call on Twitter the mainstream media. Is it a... When you talked about how you got into this, uh, sort of terms like democratisation come to mind, atomization comes to my mind. That is, there isn't a media mogul who can control all this anymore. It's just everyone and no one, and you get the information that you get from everywhere and nowhere. I mean, I asked my boys and daughter, where do you get information? They say, well, just everywhere. And I said, well, where in particular? Well, friends mention stuff to me. Um, 
is this a good thing? Is this uh, breaking down the capacity of powerful people in our society telling people what to think? I think broadly it's a good thing. I mean, like most things, it's got its problems and it's good and bad. But yeah, so we live in a sort of culture now, especially with online news, where the news will tend to come to you. Mm. So you do less and less effort. You, you used to be able to you know, go to the milk bar, go to the news agents, buy your newspaper, you know, read it. it was, you had to proactively get it. Yeah. It doesn't happen anymore. No. Facebook in particular is the equivalent of a hyper local newspaper. So it's telling me what my friends like, yeah. um, where they go out to dinner, places that I've been before. It's giving me information that is very, very relevant. And, ta- yeah, and, and targeted. Ta- tailored yeah. to you. To yeah. What, yeah. So that's, that's one area where we're yeah. headed. Um, in terms of this kind of brave new world of, of technological things that we don't really have a handle on, Google, Google Glass is going to present some very interesting situations mm. because basically you can record you know, anything that you see out of your eyeballs. So you can go to uh, a play or a, a cinema and you could actually record things right in front of you. Now, how does that work with copyright? Copyright, mm. yeah. How does that work with, with privacy? Yeah. So we're at a situation now when Google Glass have, have started to sort of roll out across America. And you've had a series of, of incidents in the last few weeks and last couple of months in which people have been kicked out of restaurants because the owners or managers aren't happy with the mm. fact that they're filming or able to film or capable of filming um, their clientele. Yeah. So it's really going to throw a spanner in the works in terms of new legislation that needs to come out mm, around no, it. That's, that's important, isn't it? Because, um, you know, when people will go back to the idea that you're in a bar and you probably had a, you know, you should have stopped drinking a little bit earlier... I understand that if you said something or got into an argument with someone, it would be easy for people to get a mobile phone out and, you know, film, and record, it, film yeah. it. But you would see that, you know, mm. and you go, oh, I better pull my head in here because I'm being filmed. And that can easily be, um, you know, disseminated within seconds to any media outlet, you know, to 100,000 Twitter followers or whatever. Mm. But with Google Glass... It's it's more subtle, isn't it? You won't even know if somebody's filming you, which is frightening, really, in a mm. way. But also, potentially, I mean, it's quite exciting. Mm. Um, you could get great coverage of things like you've never had before. Maybe someone flying to a volcano, or yeah. you know, saving lives. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, you could get any sort of number of really weird and odd situations of which we've never seen the likes of before. If there, if there for example, is some horrible shooting or some possible shooting in America, mm. someone could be broadcasting all that live and you could see it through their own eyes. So that it's not it could go nece- viral before yeah, you have so a chance to it's shut not down. necessarily someone who is in the crowd, but the perpetrator of the crime. It, well, it could be both or either. And is there any, you know, in, um, sorry to keep going back to old technology, uh, but yeah, if not, you... Not, not the shoe phone again. No, not the shoe okay, phone. No, that, that's very phone. modern. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but let's say you were uh, on doing a radio interview and you uh, dropped the F-bomb or something like that. They have a uh, six-second the, the, the delay, delay yeah. right? And they go beep and they, no one actually hears it unless the radio wants the to. Yeah. But in this case, let's say we've got a gunman and the gunman is, you know, uh, on the loose, on the rampage at a university or a school, what's to stop that being broadcast in real time as it's happening? Nothing. There's no six, seven, six second delay. No. No equivalent of it. There's no delays yeah. in the internet. When yeah. horror goes viral, 
I mean, you're going to touch wood or there's no, there's no wood, but mm. proverbially you touch wood and hope something like that never happens. Um, but, but it is going to uh, um, empower, like some people who do this for the big statement, you know, um, which could be I've been bullied at school mm. and I want to show mm. uh, everyone my revenge. That it could, it doesn't need to be a big political statement of a no, terrorist. No, it it could be a, no. you know, that's what a lot of school shootings are about. Is people have been bullied and treated. They think they've been treated. And broadcasting there. attention to it. So if they're doing it, trying to broadcast the attention, you know, on a local level, if they've got this capacity, they're doing it globally. Sure. But, I mean, that's the same could be said of a pen and paper. You know, people can write about things. Mm. Do you, but that's going back even further. Yeah, yeah. In terms of technology. Now we're talking about my technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or the facts or, um, yeah. or a Word document or... You know, or, or a video camera. People are able to film things when they never were before. Yeah. It's just the way technolo- technology naturally unfolds. And I'm not arguing against it, but I'm just saying if you're motivated to try to communicate to the world an injustice, you know, so you might be a, a terrorist where you consider that you're on the side of the good guys, mm. um, or you could be a school kid who's been bullied, mm. there would be an incentive for you to get that out, that message out to more to many people and rather than fewer. And if you've got Google Glass, well, that's the ideal technology, isn't it? Sure, yeah. I think that's a that's almost like a human instinct, though. Mm. If you feel like you're oppressed, you want to tell people yeah, that you right. share the information. Yeah. So it's not, it, nothing is really new. In and it's not going to make it happen. I'm not, it's yeah, not going to make it happen. They're not no. going to say, oh, actually, I wasn't going to do this, but um, gee, that Google Glass, that, that's tipped me over the edge. I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they do look a bit daggy, so maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe it's the awkward fashion of it that might yeah, tip that's somebody right. over the People edge. Say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I just wanted to um, uh, cover a couple of other things. Um, what uh, what about this concept of the world brain, the global brain? Um, I, I did a little bit of reading on this in the early eighties before the internet was ever conceived, there was literature about that foresaw the internet and actually said when you think of it, um, it's the same as a single human brain, but it's a global brain because all the synapses are all the individual human beings putting their intelligence or their you know value into this World Wide Web, as it came to be known. Mm. And we are therefore as humans collecting an enormous amount of knowledge that could never otherwise have been connected by the equivalent of a single human brain. It's just that we're the, we're the little cells and the, and the connections, and, and that seems to be actually happening. So feeding the machine information. Yeah. I mean, the, the human brain analogy, that tends to um, imply that there's a collective intelligence that's grown over time. Yeah. I'm not sure that's necessarily the case with social media. I no. mean, collective intelligence, yes, in the sense that it becomes more and more um, uh, intelligent about what it knows you like or do yeah. or activities, whether it evol- evolves us in terms of the, the, the deep sort of dark or happy recesses of the human mind. Yeah, I don't think so. But, but what it kind of does, I think, is um, it, it stores so much information that none of us or none of us even in a village or a city could do. You know, mm. if you think, for example, 
the physics, the physical dimensions of a library or 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 whatever. There's, there's enormous amounts of information. I'm talking about positive information, valuable information, being stored here. I just think the analogy with you know this super brain uh, that connects everyone, you know, the ultimate connection of all the human beings, uh, is a pretty fascinating one. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's like you have to use language like that in order to kind of explain it or to draw it up in terms that you can actually understand things like information superhighway or mm. the human brain because it's actually vast and incomprehensible. Our minds can't, can't store anywhere near that information. No, it's collected right. by the internet every second. Yeah. So it's, a, yeah, it's incredible in that regard. Yeah. Five, ten years down the track, can you... Imagine, I mean, often these questions are, well, what can you imagine the world in 50 years' time? But things are moving so quickly now. Very fast, yeah. Uh, it, I think it's a, sort of fairer to ask people, uh, can you imagine the world in five or ten years' time? In terms of social media? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the it's, technology, it's really... It's tough. Mm. It's really tough. I mean, if we're almost at a point where you can look out your eyeballs and see through somebody else's eyes, yeah, how much further do you go down there? Mm. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some kind of uh, virtual reality social media where you can kind of walk through the corridors of your own portfolios and profiles yeah. and suss out friends. Maybe you can, I'm just thinking out loud here, maybe you can stand on a treadmill and walk around in a physical environment that's in your head. Yeah. That would be unbelievable, mm. but... Also yeah. quite believable. Well, I'm sure people are working on this. Probably, things, yeah. Um, yeah. In Silicon Valley and, and beyond. If there's one thing that um, you could change in the world, the all-powerful social media manager or beyond. <laughs> That's on my card, actually. Is yeah. it? Yeah. All-powerful yeah. All-powerful social yeah. media manager. Yeah. Esquire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would it be? I guess, um, well, I'll get more Twitter followers. That, that would be my number one. Um, well, yeah, because I've done my bit. I'm following you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I'm following you too. No, I guess just to spread more awareness about and, and educate people about social media. I mean, it's not exactly as important as saying, you know, world peace and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So it's not as kumbaya-ish. But you're a fan of it. You're, you, it sounds to me like you're a supporter, but you want people to Understand. be a little bit more eyes wide open. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's more complicated then you probably think, yeah. you being you or anybody else or even people who use social networks every day. And you're giving out more information than you probably know. Yeah. So yeah. I guess for people to be aware of that and, and for that to be integrated into the educational infrastructure, it's it's complex. And there's a whole lot of factors that Google, uh, Facebook, that Twitter weigh up against each other and they're algorithms, which is the, the means by which they calculate how to show you bits of information or, or what to give your friends. It's very complicated stuff, and I would hope that that is becoming part of some sort of curriculum where mm-hmm. so people can actually grow up. Because yeah. we have a generation of people now who've only known social media yes. and Facebook. Yeah, who've so, never really read newspapers, no, for example. It's always, it's always come to them. And it just feels to me like we're a little bit behind in actually educating yeah, people about because it. they're giving out information all the time. And not understanding the ramifications. Yeah. Luke Buckmaster, thank you very much for joining us on MO4. Pleasure, Craig.